Cyril. What a beauty! community and welcome to the jock reynolds supercoach podcast i am lek dog and i am joined by damo damo how are you i'm good lek how are you i'm bloody fantastic i've got something to talk to you about very soon but first we need to introduce the great man from adelaide it is baron von crow how are you I just had to uh, compose myself there for a second because you scared the hell out of me when you started that intro. But I'm good, huh? I'm good. I'm good now. Well, I'm glad. No heart attacks live on the pod, please. Community, before we get stuck into it, uh, jump on jockreynolds.com.au. The content is a pouring. There's Jock Reynolds Herald Sun articles. There's links to those on the homepage. There's also top fives, podcasts, Player reviews, pocket reviews, demo, it's all there. Everything's there. It's been a very full-on preseason, and I'm sure as we get into these, I, I want to say, real practice matches next week, uh, there's going to be even more stuff coming out. Yeah, it's been quite active this preseason on the Jock Reynolds website, and it's been good. We've been pouring the content out, and it seems to have been getting a good response. Yeah, no, the uh, there seems to be some really positive responses. So that's good. So jump on the website if you haven't, have a read of all the articles and demo. Now, the intro. The intro to the podcast demo. My God, is it sexy. I feel like I fixed it. <laughs> I mean, it, I, it didn't need to be, it didn't need fixing in the first place. I just, we just needed to jazz it up a bit. No, it was it was awesome. So the original was done by Telebeats, um, who was on Instagram. Demo, you said I like the concept. Let's make it a little uh, a little more aggressive. And boy, geo, gee whiz, I'll, it gets me going. Yeah, let's make it so that we feel like we need to run through a wall after it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm ready to run through a wall as we tackle today's topics, and this is a part two of what we started last week. Or earlier in the week, Demo, today we're going to be talking about rucks and midfielders. We're going to start with the rucks. And do you want to kick things off with uh, who might have your eye for season 2022? Uh, well, Brody Grundy is probably locked in for most people. Um, he's the highest owned ruck, 41.6%. And then whoever partners him seems to be coming down to a bit of a debate. But I know Grundy isn't in your team, like last time I checked. <laughs> uh, yes, that was last time. This is this time. Grundy will be in my team. Now it's just a debate of whether he's partnered with Nick Nat Newey or Oscar McInerney. 
as you dubbed it, the Bro Mac lineup. Uh, but Brody Grundy, yeah, I think he's he's has to be the biggest lock in the ruck line for me. Six twenty seven thousand one hundred had a you know quotation marks shit year last year, still averaged one hundred and fifteen. I think that's the minimum of what he's going to deliver us in season twenty twenty two. Yeah, we're basically getting a, di- a discount on what he can produce and. Luckily, we don't have to pay seven hundred grand for a ruckman this year. No, it's very nice. Baz Brody Grundy is he in your team? You normally zag in the ruck line when others zig, so I'm interested. Nope, I currently have Grundy and Gorn in my ruck lineup. I have half an eye on Jared Witts still, though, so he could potentially sneak into my team instead of Gorn. But at the moment, I will be standing uh, firm on Grundy and Gorn. The thing that worries me about Jared Witts is he hasn't actually entered full training after his ACL, but Stuart Jew seems fairly confident that he is on track for round one. Yeah, it's it's a risk. So we're not going to have much exposed form on him, but that's why it's half an eye, not a full full two eyes. And you mentioned Nick Nat there, uh, Lek Dog. Um, just on West Coast... I don't know what midfield he's going to be hitting to in round one because... Or what forward line he's going to be kicking to or what back line's going to be behind him. Exactly right, because it seems like they're getting injuries out of nothing and they're dropping like flies. Elliot Yo, Dom Sheed, Connor West are all awaiting scan results and Campbell Chesser, who's, who was one of the great rookie hopes, is now out for the next eight to ten weeks with ligament damage to, in his foot, so... Uh, not good for the Eagles. So we might see some rookies pop up from the Eagles, but yeah, Nick Nat might have to do a lot of the midfield rucking and roving by himself. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Look, I really like him's option 16 games in 2020 for an 110 average, 22 games in 2021 for 115 average. All the risks are obvious when it comes to picking Nick Nat, but I just really like him. And I, you know, Baz, you said you had Gorn and Grundy and that, to me, from what I've seen of the teams I've seen, that seems to be kind of uh, uncommon so far this year. People aren't locking in Max like they have in the past. No, he's people are a bit worried about uh, Jackson there, I guess, on the team. But it's one of those things where Gorn's so good, he'll find ways to score points, I think. Even if he's sitting up forward for a little bit, he'll still take a mark, he'll still kick a goal. If they push him down back, he can still take marks back there. So I'm not overly concerned about that currently owned by 36.8 percent so he's the second most owned ruckman in supercoach at the moment so i think him and grundy probably make the ruck combo too expensive given the amount of money we'll need to spend around the other parts of the ground but he's reliable and people may feel him just to be safe there's a very good chance it gets to lock out and I've got 30 grand in the kitty and I just go, you know what, Nick, that I love the idea of you, but I'm willing to spend 30 grand just to lock in Big Max. Uh, obviously, I'd, I'd prefer a, a cheaper R2 if I can get away with it this year. But yeah, I mean, my, my whole thing is that I think Max Gorn probably doesn't average 121. He maybe averages 115 to 120, um, probably I'm projecting closer to 115 and then like that's just an easy way to justify saving 30 grand to me. But in the end, you can't really go wrong with these big guys. What about the other top priced Ruckman in 20% of teams, Damo? Your man is Sean Darcy. Speak to me about him. 
He's been in and out of my team. He's currently in my side at the moment. He had a full preseason up until about a week ago, and he's been missing with a thumb injury. Doesn't sound like it's ruled him out for too long because he's going to line up in the next uh, preseason game, the official preseason game. Um, And I still think that even with an injury cloud, he can still score well because there were games last year where he's finished on 140, basically playing on one leg. Yeah, look, I... I don't like the injury interrupted preseason guys, but you're right that this guy is a guy who can play through injury and has done in the past. Of these top four guys, the big four, Grundy, Nick, Nat, Darcy and Gorn, Baz, how would you rank them come season end? Let's talk total points. What do you think? Um, I will go Grundy, Gorn, Darcy and Nick, Nat. My big concern with Nick, Nat is I was reading a tweet uh, Emperor X put out about uh, the main source of scoring for the premium rucks. And he had uh, Nick Nat getting uh, 53.2% of his points from hit outs to advantage. So if he doesn't have his midfield there to take those, it's oof, that's going to impact him more than any other ruckman in the competition, I think. And one other thing that Emperor X also tweeted not that long ago was he thinks Nick Nat is potentially a safer option because less time on ground means less injury risk. And we know that he will usually spend about 60 to 70% of time on ground as opposed to most other Ruckman spending pretty much the entire game. So more points per minute, but less injury risk for not being on the ground quite as much. It's an interesting debate. Let's jump down to this next tier of Ruckman guys. These are the guys between 500 and 600k. I don't think a lot of them are going to feature in Supercoach teams this year. Tom Hickey, he's in 1% of teams, despite how good he was last year. Todd Goldstein's the same, 1% of teams. Historically, he's been a very good scorer for us. Um, Of available Ruckman, he was fifth ranked for total points last year. But I don't see anyone starting these sort of guys. No, I don't see people starting those sort of... I've seen Todd Goldstein in a few starting teams, and... People say it's basically just because he's reliable. And, I mean, there was points last year where he was one of the better scoring Ruckman. And I understand that people might think he's got one more year, one last ride, you know, Cade Simpson style. But who knows? Who who knows? Other Ruckman that I've got put side by side with each other, uh, Rowan Marshall, owned by 6.3%. Oscar McInerney, owned by 2.5%. And Riley O'Brien, Baz, 3.6%. Riley O'Brien averaged 105.4 in his last 10 games in 2021. Have you considered Riley O'Brien, Baron? I have not considered him. Uh, The game against Brisbane, I wasn't at all impressed with what he dished up. Um, And I don't think they're pushing him back into the defence as much as they were previously. So he's not getting uh, his extra points from taking contested marks down there. Uh, So I have not considered him at all. And Lek, you were considering Oscar McInerney as part of your Bromac, or as part of the Bromac combo. He averaged 110.6 over his last 10. Uh, I've I've messed with Oscar McInerney in my side, and I can get pretty much a pretty good... Guns and Rookies team with him at R2, but 
I feel uncomfortable with a Guns and Rookies side this year, especially considering how the rookie landscape is looking. Um, so I think, I think he's the one that I, did, I think with some shuffling, he's the one that misses out and I move someone from somewhere else on the field. But I don't mind Oscar McInerney as an option lack. Yeah, there's a really good piece on the website that Mardo did sort of tracking his progress was the end of last season, a flash in the pan. He sort of tracks him compared to guys like Gorn and Grundy as they started their careers and Goldstein. And the trend is looking pretty similar to those guys. So if you believe the numbers, you believe that OMAC presents um, Oscar McInerney. OMAC is plays for Carlton. Oscar McInerney presents some, some really good value According to that article and, and based on what I've seen, I'm not worried about a like, guy like Darcy Ford. The only issue is I've got if I have him in, my current team has five Brisbane Lions in it, which makes me feel sick. And obviously the upside play for that extra 160K or whatever it is uh, from jumping up to a primo, is that enough cash uh, that you're saving and putting elsewhere? Do you make the point, the guaranteed points up? Hard to say, but I do like the look of the team with him in there. And the other guy that I had here was Rowan Marshall, um, averaged 101.4 over his last 10 games. Uh, not as attractive as I thought it would have been, but people are starting him because there's every chance that he gets forward eligibility at some point during the season. Do you think it's smart to start Rowan Marshall with the hope that he gets forward eligibility, or do you need to start, or do you need to not start people hoping for that to be awarded Baron? I wouldn't start with him hoping he gets a forward. If he was cheap, like if he was 300K, you might do that. But if he doesn't, then you're stuck with potentially not a top three ruck as your R2. And that might put you behind everyone else. If they do have a Gorn or a Grundy or a Darcy who are setting the, the pace ahead of everyone else. And like he does have the scoring power, but is he going to get to that top five ruck position? Yeah, it, look, he's definitely got the talent and the scoring power, some question marks over his health the last year. Look, I, it's, if you're picking someone, you can't pick them assuming they're going to get DPP status later on. You're locking him in as a primo. You're assuming that he is going to be a Ruckman only. When you're picking someone, you have to assume they're in the position that you're picking them in for the whole year. Because if they don't get that status change, you have to justify them being in your starting team. And can you justify him over Gorn and Grundy? Maybe, but it's hard to do so. I'd rather just wait and trade into him. And I imagine if he's playing forward enough for us to get forward eligibility, he's going to have a couple of games where he's stuck forward and not scoring very well. And then we'll be able to pick him up for much cheaper than the 536k that he's at. I think definitely got talent, definitely a reasonable selection of people who have talked themselves into him. But yeah, not a guy... I'm starting, but definitely I'm looking at later on if he does get that forward eligibility. Let's jump to some cheaper guys now, and Braden Proust headlines that, but Leon Cameron not conceding that he's the number one ruckman. It really looks like Matt Flynn is ahead. It's interesting because, um, I mean, Braden Proust honestly has never really done anything. He's obvious. I, I know who he is because every time he has played the Blues, he's dominated us. But you could say that about most people in the competition at this point. If you're starting him on field, I don't think you can do that. I don't, I've seen people messing with Proust at R2. I just think you can't do that. You can't risk it. 
At R3, 200K, I'm probably more willing to take that 80K risk and hope that he can take that mantle. But I think he's going to play, and I think if he plays, he's going to score some points. So on the bench, I've got no issues with it, but on the field, you have to be thinking otherwise. And Baron, every chance Leon Cameron might go with a two-ruck setup with Flynn and Pruce potentially interchanging out of the forward line. Yeah, I'm the same as Lech there. I just couldn't justify starting him. Like All it takes is two, three games to start the year where he doesn't perform that well and he's dropped. And then all of a sudden you've got a 200K spend on your ruck line. Who can you grab there for 200K? That's probably starting. You, your options are probably, you know, nothing. And then you've got to start tinkering around with other downgrading other parts of your field to be able to upgrade your ruck back up. I just can't see any sort of scenario where he comes out of the gate averaging 80, 90, stays the whole year, just, yeah. Bench, you can take that risk, but not as a starter. And you'd have the same sort of scenario with Max Lynch at Hawthorne. He's sort of competing with Ned Reeves for that second ruck option, which it looks like Hawks are going to go with. Yeah, yeah. These sort of risks on your bench, they're... Not really risks because if they don't play, then you still got a, a captain's loophole to use. You can downgrade them later to make some cash. So on the bench isn't an issue, but as a starter, it's very, very risky. You can Pretty also, s- sorry, Dan, I was just going to say to alleviate some of that risk as well, you might start a Charlie Combin or, or another ruck forward on your forward bench. And then later on, if Bruce does turn out not to be in that team and you really need that 80k hit that trade swing combin up into the rough one so it's much easier to fix the bench than if you're yeah investing in him as an on the field option Bruce owned by 30.3 percent we'll talk about charlie combin i don't know if charlie common plays uh the noise out of north melbourne seems to have gone quite in favor of a coleman jones in favor of a coleman jones sort of backup instead um, in terms of the Ruckman, because it looked like Common was going to be the backup Ruckman to Todd Goldstein. With There was a bunch of players that were mentioned by David Noble, and I think he said that Common would start back by backing up Goldstein and Coleman Jones and Christian Cherry would have to work their way in. But it feels like Common's now gone to the bottom of the, the, bottom of the pile, and it's now Coleman Jones or Tristan Cherry that are at the top of the list. Well, I'll tell you who it won't be. It won't be Jacob Edwards if you're passing it off the preseason game, the pretend preseason game, because uh, I don't even think Max Gorn knew he was out there. Um, there's got to be, I reckon one of these Ford Rucks will put their hand up and give us a chop out uh, come around one. And I think whichever one it is, we just slap on the, you know, F8 and, and hope for the best. Well, Jack Hayes is looking like he'll be announced for St. Kilda soon. Hopefully, hopefully it's it's been like a month since we were told that he was going to get signed uh so i assume he's going to get signed and there's every chance that he gets forward ruck people think he's going to get the dual position i i don't know about that but the people at supercoach hq would probably know more than us um the other hayes that we that we need to talk about is sam hayes at port adelaide Scott Lysett went down with injury in Port Adelaide's preseason game. So there's a chance that Hayes and Finlayson are the starting rucks in round one for Port Adelaide. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, need to know how long that injury is, but Sam Hayes, he's in 17% of teams at the moment. If he plays, he's a good he's going to be a good bench option um, and gives us a, a, a guaranteed 123k player. How long he stays in that team, there's question marks. There are options. People are going to essentially be picking between Proust and one of these guys, I'd say. Um, I don't see anyone structuring up like like they did last year with with any particularly cheap players on field. So we're really looking at at bench options for these guys and I mean that. I mean, I want to ask you both, and you first, Damo. I see a lot of teams with these three players in them: Luke Jackson, Jared Witts, or Sam Draper at R two. And all, and some teams do have Luke Jackson in the forward line, so I'll happily concede that that's less of a risk. But those three names scare the hell out of me this year. I don't hate the Sam Draper call, but I mean, he has to be the only risk in your team if you're selecting him at R2 because he could quite easily become a Jared Witz if you've left that amount of money in the bank and Jared Witz is probably the the safer option if Draper doesn't pan out but even Witz is only going to average in 95 points 95 maybe 100 points I mean for me Baz so like the upside of Jackson and Sam Draper is just projected upside. Draper had two good games, three good games last year. I don't see a lot of the numbers being super friendly to him. And then the Jared Witts piece, which you touched on before, he has at least done it before, even though he's had a injury interrupted preseason. But how do you alleviate these risks if you're starting one of these guys at R2? Can you? Uh, unless you want to keep like 300k sitting in your bank account just in case they don't pan out and then you can instantly swap or you're willing to make major downgrades elsewhere. So you could say, oh, I've got, a, got that extra money in my midfield or my defense or whatever and I'm willing to swap it. Yeah, you can. You can certainly make an argument that Draper could get the main ruck spot at Essendon, so he's a safe choice. I can't see how Luke Jackson is going to get enough time in the ruck or or do enough damage up forward to be worth selecting even as a forward in your super coach team and yeah wits has done it before it's whether he's uh healthy or not now that's the question so and one more quick question for you baz uh, do you want to talk about the greatest player to ever play on an afl field kieran strawn yes he is the greatest ever ever the big lumbering man that he is. I can't see a scenario where the Crows play two rucks, and that's not because of Strawn. That's because Rob is the most utterly useless kick in existence. And if you play him up forward, you got to start hiding the kids in the crowd because that ball could be coming for their heads, <laughs> even if they're on the wing and he's in the forward 50. Not something he's worked on in the preseason, Baz? You see, the thing is, he probably has worked on it. It's just like, you know, not helping. Uh, for those who don't know, Kieran Strong played two games last year, averaged 105, uh, 100.5, and I think he signed an extension in the offseason as well. Like he's, They clearly like him down at the reserves. I just think it's very funny that he's hidden behind this, behind ROB. Well, they've, they've upgraded uh, Rob to the leadership group too, which probably tells you how much confidence they have in him, but... Yeah, it's it's hard to see them playing both. Damo, anything else you want to touch on in the rucks? No, nah, I think we pretty much covered it. We should move to the midfield now. 
This is the tasty part of the podcast. Do you want to lead the way here, Damo? Uh, Jack McRae locked into most midfield at 43.9%. He seems the lockiest lock ever. Yeah, forget the price, 699-900. Don't even worry about it. He's just going to he's gonna average 120 plus unless he gets injured. Just lock it in. Just just get him in. You're guaranteed some solid VCC scores. No one. I I'd love to see the stats on how many people use him as a VCC. I swear no one does because they think his ceiling's not high enough. But this is a guy that like he's just going to score 125 points for you. Like he's going to. Believe it or not, Jack McRae is not actually the highest owned midfielder above 600k. Jack Steele has that with at 45.8%. I was talking to someone the other day and they don't think you can start both Oliver and Steele. It's one or the other. Oh, well, I have both of them. Yeah, I've got both of them too. I've got all three of them at the moment. I have both of them as well, but I was told that you, I probably can't if, if I want the money to, to, to go around. So I've had no issues getting the money to go around with them both in my team. So... We'll just ignore yeah, that. I also don't have a premium in my forward line, so that might be something to look at. Right. Uh, but Jack Steele, look, I think we know what we're going to get. I was going to zag him. He's currently in my team. I think you just know that he's going to tackle a lot and get a lot of possessions. Yeah, I I think Jack Steele, Jack McRae, Clayton Oliver, they're probably three of the safest ones at the top there. And then you've got Took, Took Miller as well, who... Can he back it up? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, my answer is why not? Because who the hell else is going to do it? Uh, but obviously, it's just he's a bit more of a pod. He's a bit more of an unknown. People don't want to invest that much into him because it's he doesn't have the the history of scoring like an Oliver or a Bont or, or a McRae. But I think he's a reasonable selection. I'm not picking him. And then there's Tom Mitchell a bit further down on that list. What will Hawthorne be like? And will he be affected by a poor performance from them? I Look, I personally, he was my, like the second most luckiest guy I had this year. He's been in my team since the team picker came out. I don't see poor performances impacting him what he does like he's just a pig who collects the pill and tackles and handballs a shitload and I don't think anything's going to stop that I don't think they're going to mess with playing him elsewhere in the ground I don't think he can play elsewhere in the ground very well it's took him a little bit to get going after that horrific leg injury but man he finished last year like a house on fire and I mean take I don't take much out of those practice matches they had a few guys running through the midfield, but I like, I mean, Connor Nash isn't going to supersede Tom Mitchell from that midfield, you know, James Warple spent a lot of time in that preseason game, but he's not going to be pushing Tom Mitchell out. Tom Mitchell's a bloody gun. Yeah. I just think he's an easy selection. And then we've got the likes of Ollie Wines, Christian Petrarca and Darcy Parrish, who probably all sit sort of in the same sort of category of players that are nice points of difference, but, not a lot of people are willing to take the plunge. Yeah, they're, they're probably upside players, aren't they, Baz, those guys? They're all the young, younger heads. At the moment, I've actually got uh, one spot that's oscillating between 
Lucky Neil and Rory Laird. And I think Rory Laird's in a similar position to Parrish in that, although he's just an older player. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not willing. Jesus, I knocked everything off my desk. Oh my God, sorry. <laughs> I'm not willing to pick guys like Darcy Parrish and that, but I know like Clarky, he's locked in on, he's absolutely locked in Parrish and Petrarca. Yeah, he's hot on those guys. Um, Baron, have you got Parrish or Petrarca in your side? Nope, I don't have either of them. And there's no real reason I can give on not picking them. They're all fine, fine players to pick, other than I've picked Tom Mitchell instead. Fair enough. And you mentioned Lucky Neil before. He is a bargain and it's hard to go past him at his price. 543k. Assume he's in all three of our sides. He's in my side, yes, as my uh, M5. Not locked in, but currently sitting at M5. Uh, Talk us through your mindset when you say he's not locked in. Like, what is the worry in the back of your head there, Lek? Um, I, I don't know. I Look, honestly, I don't know what the worry is. I just, I don't like picking midfielders in that mid 500k range anyway. I prefer to go in the midfield, guns and rookies. I know he's a gun at five foot, and at five forty k is a bargain because you look at his career and outside of last year where he was still okay, he averaged a hundred last year, hundred and thirty four in shortened quarters, hundred and twenty one, hundred and twelve, hundred and nine, hundred and twelve. Look, it all screams value, value, value. There's just something in the back of my head. The same voice that told me not to start him last year is in the back of my head, just saying, just not a hundred percent sure on him. Fair enough. Maybe some of these pods here, these points of difference here might uh, might tickle your fancy a bit more, and I'll just read them out for you. Uh, ben Keys, Baron, maybe you can touch on Ben Keys. He's only in 1% of teams. Yeah, um, he still burns the ball a bit too much for my liking to pick him, and I'm just not seeing where the improvement is coming from this year for him to be able to score higher. He has to do something else. He was already averaging 28 touches a game. Do you see him averaging 35? Realistically, when you're adding Crouch back into that midfield, you've got Laird there. I just can't see that. Does he have to start kicking more goals? Well, if he's kicking more goals, does that mean he's spending more time up at the forward line? So he's not going to get 28 touches a game. And ball use is generally one of those things where I think you've either got it or you're not. Once you're sort of 24, 25, it's not something that magically changes. He's very one-sided. So I think he will still absolutely stay about where he is, but he's more towards his ceiling than his floor, if you know what I mean. Fair enough. And Lect, um, we were hot on this guy last season. Zach Merritt is only in 3.5% of teams. Yeah, which is pretty crazy, isn't it? Because he was an absolute lock last year and a very good selection. What did he end up as last year? Let me just pull and up. He didn't number. actually do too badly. Like he, we didn't blow anything out of the water, but he was reliable. He was the twelfth ranked player last year, which That's is re- which is really good. Yeah. Uh, he averaged one hundred and fifteen over twenty two games. He was six hundred k, and I I can't tell you why. I don't want to pick him this year. It's not that I don't. It's just that I've never considered him. I just, there's something about these, uh, the McRae, Steele, Oliver, Mitchell, these tackling beasts that's that's attracting me this year. Maybe it's the meant the tweaking of rules at the st- that's going to happen at the start of the season around tackling and rewarding the tackler a bit more that just makes me want to 
pick the Bulls, but I mean, honestly, I could talk myself into him very easily. There's no reason not to pick him. There's no reason not to pick him. Is it that maybe everyone thinks there's going to be even more improvement at Essendon in the midfield and maybe there's less points for him to win? I, I don't know. To be honest, I'm exactly the same as you, Lek. I haven't picked him just purely because I haven't really thought about him. I could talk myself into him, though, if I had to pick him. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I it just... <laughs> he should be screaming lock, but I just haven't selected him. My only guess is is people's thinking is, you know, a McRae, a Steele, an Oliver, their chances of scoring lower this year are less than someone like Merritt, who could realistically maybe drop five or ten points. And that's not to say he's had a bad year, but just as you say, maybe more people are coming through to help out. So it's probably just a percentages thing where in people's minds – those three that we mentioned, more likely to stay at their average compared to someone like Merritt, who may go down a bit. Well, I'm, and I'm looking at your um, your bat, your breakdown from last year's scoring, Baz. In the last seven games, he averaged 121. <laughs> so, like, they're really good numbers. So, and a, and his down part of the year was the start of the year. For the first seven games, he averaged 110. So, you know, he's smack bang on probably what he's going to score. Yeah. Uh, this this conversation might spark some some new thinking from me. Uh, Josh Kelly, Josh Kelly was loved by a lot of the Supercoach community. He's only in two point four percent of teams. I think maybe the Leon Cameron factor is playing into that, or also the fact that Josh Kelly played a bunch of the year at half forward and didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I think Leon has to be the factor there, doesn't he? Like. Uh, Kelly had an okay year last year, averaged 107. In the middle of the year when he was playing his role over eight games, he averaged 117. That's what he should be doing. But for some reason, he doesn't always get to do that. And that reason is Leon Cameron. We don't pick GWS premiums. And someone who's not left my team since it opened, Andy Brayshaw is in 5.2% of teams. He looked like he's going to pick up where he where he left off. I mean, I've I've only seen a trial game, and I'm probably overreacting, but he looked like he's lost nothing from last year, and I think he's going to improve his average. I think he's going to finish the year as a 600k plus player. Yeah, and no, I I think that's reasonable. I think that projection's reasonable. Another guy that like it's just a semi awkward semi awkward price, but 580k. I think that's fair value. Uh, one guy I wanted to flag that I know Azza has locked into his team as a pod is Paddy Dangerfield at $567,800, 3% of teams. Basically, he just said when he's fit, he scores really highly. So as long as he's fit, he should be scoring really highly. I, I was looking at Paddy Dangerfield after Azza said that and gone through his last two years, he scores like a key forward. So there'll be a game where he scores like 40 and then another game where he scores like 180. And usually after he scores a 40, his break-even will be like 175. So he will score that 180 and then his break-even won't, won't matter. Yeah, well, it's it's funny. Yeah, exactly, as you said. Because remember last year he came out, he scored 92, missed some games, scored 75, missed some games. And then I think he dropped to sub, he dropped to sub 500K and his break-even was... 
like something crazy, like 150. Like he was going to drop to, we were like, oh, we're going to get him for 350K. And then he came out and he scored 184 points, 97, 134, 165. You're absolutely right, Damo. He just, he, I, he, I, he must keep track of his break even. He must. He must play the game. Um, one other player I was going to point out is Luke Parker. He usually starts the year very well, is only in 0.6% of teams. Not unusual. He's not usually in a high amount of teams, but just pointing out that last year and the year before, he has started the year quite well. Yeah, no, he's a hot starter. Uh, I used to call him the yo-yo because every second year seemed to be a down year, but over the last sort of four years, he's always averaged north of 100 it's just, do you think he can average north of 100 enough to justify a selection? But he's the main man in the midfield there. So um, he's certainly not. He's certainly going to have the opportunity to do that. And one other guy that uh, I should point out has had a full preseason is Dion Prestia. Now, remember back in 2019, everyone wanted to start him in 2020 because he averaged 114 after the bye. And that was after he had had a full preseason that year. Yeah, what what's he priced? 463k, something like that. Yeah, I just I don't I don't think the upside the ceiling is I know you just said there was a period we averaged 114, but I just don't think for that price the the upside's there for me. It's kind of hard to justify picking a player based on 12 games two years ago, you know? It's like, yes, that is what he's capable of, but that was also... I think we were talking about today about some of them saying, oh, should I pick Luke McDonald? And it was like, well, you're kind of basing that off 10 games he had uh, a year and a half ago, you know? And Baron, that is my exact argument when people are picking Jade Gresham. Yeah. And it's a fair argument. I... um. It's a really, it's a really, really fair argument. Um, at that price, I'd rather pick Matt Crouch and just take a punt on a guy that has averaged 110 a couple of times across full seasons. But mid prices rarely do well. I'll read out some of the players that I think are the best chances to potentially get back to up to the top or potentially take that next step. Um, Matt Rowell is a good is 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 a chance, even though as pointed out in. Uh, Cass's pocket profile, he he was really only good for like four games. So in in in, in a compressed season, yeah. Um, Caleb Sarong, every chance he does make that next step, but does he make that next step? Does he make a large enough next step? Dylan Shield, he's he's a chance. I mean, we talked about Essendon with Zach Merritt and everything, and I think. He sort of falls into that same category of will he get rewarded enough for what he does with the ball or does he need to work on what he does without it? Jeez, he's cheap. 361k. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, George Hewitt. Lek, talk talk to us about George Hewitt. He's 399k mid, also defender eligible. He was quite good in that midfield in that practice match. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to gleam any data out of that practice match, but the role appears to be what we thought it was going to be, which, and Ed Kerno didn't play in that game. I think come round one, Ed Kerno may be on the bench, maybe a sub, maybe playing in a forward pocket, who knows for the Blues. But so he didn't play that game. George Hewitt did exactly what Ed Kerno did. He ran through the midfield as an inside mid, 
but then he was able to go back and rest behind the ball a bit. And then at stages, he was actually resting forward as well. Certainly can find the ball. Um, there's no Sam Walsh for the at least the first four weeks. It's going to be longer than that. Basically, a 399,000 defense mid, you're picking him for the reasons that people picked Zach Williams last year. And that reason is, well, the role's there and he's cheap. Um, he's not a historically high scorer, but as you said, played pretty well. What I'm more worried about, Damo, is if the Blues against Melbourne on Thursday night do what they did, play the players all do what they did against St. Kill in the practice match, where you're going to see so many people put Patrick Cripps into their Supercoach teams, and it's already rising, 10%. I think he scored about 100 in the game, and everyone's saying he's back to his best, but it's still, it's an awkward position to be, and he has to become a 105-plus score again, and I mean, I, I wouldn't be taking that gamble. The days of Cripps and Haney in my Supercoach team are gone, so I'm going to let other people pick Patrick Cripps, and if it works out for them, then good on them, but I'm happy to let him sit on the waiver wire. People are going to jump on Adam Chair as well. I know, Damo, we don't want to talk about him on the pod, but uh, he was definitely best on for the Blues in that practice match, and people are going to select him. Well, Adam Chera was in... The, the was in one iteration of Baron's team last time I saw it. Is he still in your side, Baron? Uh, no, he's not in my side anymore. Okay. I actually don't mind the selection. I hate him for leaving, but I don't mind the selection. Uh, one other player that I quickly want to talk about, actually two other mid-prices I want to talk talk about, Tom Green, the Phantoms mate. Um, is this the year that Leon Cameron lets him play in the midfield? I doubt it. And then we've got Jared Berry. Yeah, I, well, Baz, I'm happy for you to talk about these guys, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going, I'm not even looking at Tom Green. If every time he's on the screen, I'm going to close my eyes and cover them with my hands. I'm not even going to consider that he exists. So that should save that, for, that should answer that for everyone. Yeah, the only Tom Green I'll bother watching is the Canadian one. But Jared Berry. He's in a lot of teams. He even snuck into my team early in the week. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was – I can't remember, sorry. I'll, I'll, if I find it, I'll tweet it out. But someone did an analysis piece on him in the Twitter sphere, and it, it convinced me to select him, and then and then he was very good in that pretend practice match. Baz, you, you would have seen him. Yeah, so that match was so one-sided that – I can't say you can take anything from it because it was like, you know, an AFL team going against an under-12 team. It was like, yeah, of course, this was what should be happening, but this isn't actually going to happen when the season starts. So next week they've got the Bulldogs, which I think will give a much better indication of what his potential is. So I can't say don't pick him, but I would definitely wait to see what he can do against the uh, Bulldogs at a much stronger side. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I argued with you about Jared Berry when – you first said that he was a good selection, but tail between my legs, he's now in my team. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's got a history of scoring, right? Average 80 across 21 games in his second year, 2018. 85 across 18 games in 2019. 97 across 15 games in condensed matches in 2020. And then last year, obviously, injury and weird roles and all that. But if he's fit and playing midfield at 268K, again... He presents value and and 268k these days, like it's not 
it's not outlandish to pick a guy and think of him almost as a rookie at that price. Yeah, I um, I thought about it more and more, and I used the same argument that I used for Stephen Cornelio, and he only has to average seventy five to be a viable selection, because and. I think he'll easily average 75. So what am I waiting for? And if he turns out to be a keeper, then even better. Yes. It's one of those ones, right? We talked about this the last couple of podcasts where would you rather Jared Berry with a solid role in the midfield scoring 75 on your field every week, or would you rather take a chance and put Jackson Mead on your field for a week? Like I know I'd rather take the guy that seems to have a clearly defined role with security. So my biggest issue is at the moment, I've got three three Brisbane Lions in my team who are all priced at about 270k in Cam Rayner, Jared Berry, and um, what's his name? Kadeem Coleman. Uh, so, yeah, I can't go into the season like that. But Jared Berry looks looks lively. And his, his ownership percentage is rocketing, by the way. And we'll just quickly go through some rookies. I'll just read out some names here. Connor McDonald, Jake Saligo, Jackson Mead, Dylan Stevens, Cooper Stevens, James Cheetus, Neil Erasmus, Ben Hobbs, Matthew Roberts, Reef McInnes, Brady Huff, who, where. Who, well, where, <laughs> when, where, why. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah Winder, Zane True. I mean, we're going to get rookies. It's just a matter of you pick who, who, who gets named. So let's, I mean, the obvious ones, Baz. And then you've got Jason Horn, francis Yeah. Nick Dacos and Josh Ward as well in, 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 in that mix. And they're, so they were all about 100 or 180K plus. Horn francis is 207, Baz. Do you just have to pick those three players and just start all three of them? Yeah. I've only got Horn francis in my team at the moment. So I'm looking to go as cheap as possible when it comes to rookies, other than the obvious one like Juan Francis, which I think is a no-brainer. So no no Nicky Dacos for you? Mm-mm. Interesting. The one that interests me the most is Josh Ward. Talking to some people who have watched Hawthorne training, they seem to think that Connor McDonald may be ahead of Josh Ward. Well, Connor McDonald's in my side, and it helps that he's 70k cheaper as well. What about, and there's a few other names that I'll just throw out that people have been talking about. Ned Long, all the Hawthorne track watchers have been talking him up as an option. I mean, if he's named his 102K, that's great. What's what's going on, Damo? Is Neil Erasmus around? Is he playing? Is he fit? What's what's happening with these Fremantle rooks? All right, so uh, Neil Erasmus, he only just missed out on selection for the game against the Eagles on Friday. But then there was a waffle preseason game on Saturday, and the match report from that says that he was the best midfielder on the ground in that game. So I'm not sure how far away he is from, from senior selection, but the way I was reading it to begin with was Nathan O'Driscoll was ahead of him just, but maybe that's changed. So we think maybe one of these guys, they could it could be a first in, first out situation potentially, Demo. Um, no, Justin Longmuir seems to reward rookies and give rookies more of a chance than, than he does other established players. Like, I think if Nathan O'Driscoll plays, it's Blake Hakers who has to force his way back in. Um, I think if Neil Erasmus plays and maybe it's a Travis Collier that has to force his way back in. I think they're definitely looking to go younger to build a team rather than to play 
the experience and I don't think it's going to affect him too much, but maybe we need to just pick who's named. Well, that's always a good option. Baron, Josh Rochelle and Jackson Haitley. Talk to me about either of those players. And I'll throw one more in there, actually, Jake Saligo as well. Yeah, so you could cross Haitley off immediately. Don't even worry about that one. Wasn't he the great the great get from last year's offseason? Well, he was, off-season? he was great because he was free. It's like, you know, anything free sounds good at the time. <laughs> you find out later, maybe that's not the case. But uh, Josh Rochelle, I was really impressed with. Uh, he kicked three goals. Um, I think he will be a definite round one pick. Saligo was solid, but you also have to remember guys, they want to play on the wing like Dawson and Miller weren't in the side. So I don't think he'll be there in round one, but I think at some point in the year he'll be given a go, but I wouldn't at this stage be betting on him starting. And I mentioned Brady, who, what, where, Isaiah Winder and uh, Zane True. Every chance one of those guys gets called up in place of Campbell Chesser, who's now injured, like I said earlier. Yeah, and that goes to your point that there is a hell of a lot of injuries happening down the road from your Fremantle Dockers. Yeah, it's nice to see another team with an injury list uh, as long as a phone book has instead of free manuals actually i shouldn't say that no no one should have injuries injuries are awful i'd rather beat a team at their strongest than beat a dead horse but you know i'd rather just fucking win a game and not lose to gold coast when all of their players are out but anyway in when it's a game that's might determine whether you get into the finals or not hey james sitsis sitsis james james cheetahs James Cheetahs. That TSI makes a chi sound. Didn't even play in the pretend practice match. I, I'm i not sure where he fits now. I mean, I know Elijah Hollins didn't play because he had just returned from groin soreness, so they were putting him on limited minutes in the VFL hit out the next day. And it, so... Big watch on if he comes in for the official game. James Cheetahs, though... Is Alex Davies ahead of him? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I honestly have no idea what they're doing up there. Seems odd to me that you go and collect these mature age players, mature age, in, you know, that he's not like 80, but mature <laughs> age players who are really good at what they do and then just not play them. Because didn't they do that with Michael Barlow? Didn't he go up there and just, they just said, nah, we're not playing you. He played like the first season and then they decided that they didn't need him anymore. Mm. Crazy, crazy stuff. But one other thing about the preseason games and kind of off topic, but something that people should consider. Um, and I can't believe I'm quoting Dane Swan here. In the preseason, the good players don't try anywhere near as hard as the ones fighting for a spot in the 22. So those guys always overperform due to the lack of effort from the guns. He says, obviously, there's always outliers, but it feels like people may need to temper their expectations from the players that they pick who are who absolutely tear up these preseason games. Um, and don't get too upset if you if a player wasn't named in this trial this these trial matches that just finished because it's because really you you just want to see minutes across the preseason games. It doesn't matter how many minutes you just want to see. You just want to see minutes in a clear role. 
and for them to impress while doing their role on those minutes, however many minutes that 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 is. Yeah, I mean, just look at the Blues. They played Paddy down the VFL side, and obviously he's their secret weapon to Premiership success in 2022. So uh, you can't read on. Some of it's smoke and shadows. Smoke and shadows? Smoke and shadows. Smoke and mirrors. Thank you. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I think we've done it. I think we've covered off. Uh, I think we've covered everything. I know Azza is working on a pre-season roundup wrap-up thing for to go up once everything has been played. So that'll be something to look out for. And then it's almost time for team reveal time. Jeez, that's frightening. That is so frightening. We're getting so close to it. The season gets longer and longer every year. Anyway... Thank you, Demo. You're a brilliant human as always. Thank you, Lek. I think I took over the hosting duties. There, I love it. But I love it. <laughs> you did. Hey, you had notes, which is the first time in <laughs> podcast history, mate. So you get to take over when you bring notes. I think I, th- I think I worried you when I told you that I had notes. It did frighten me. It did frighten me. I was worried I was going to get upstage, and then I was. So here we are. Uh, so thank you, as always. You're a beautiful human. Baron, wonderful to hear your voice. It's been a while, and I think you and I have a couple of little things coming up shortly. Yes, we may have a couple of things coming up on your uh, Twitch channel, so uh, make sure you keep an eye out for that. Yes, officially unbanned again from Twitch, which is good news, yes. and that means some uh, some more fun as we do seemingly now at the start of the season. Every season, uh, it'll be good. And tune in next time to find out which social media Lekdog is banned from next. <laughs> I've had Twitter. I've had, I don't, and I don't do it on purpose, all right? I'm a pretty nice person. It's just He's just that socially inept. He can't help it. <laughs> you, you get punished for being lazy to not go and find the actual meme that, 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 that you're it. quoting. I deserve it. I deserve it. Anyway, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Shout out to your community. Jump on the website. Get your teams up. Join the comments. It's going crazy at the moment and touch wood demo the website shouldn't crash this year on lockout night (laughs) touch wood fingers crossed see you later community